Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClelland, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. Hey, Krista. How's it going? Just great today. Oh, my gosh, you guys. We have the most intriguing episode today. I think it's probably terrifies both Catherine and We're I. terrified. We're totally <laughs> shaking in our shoes, but this here topic. we are. So how many of you out there in podcast land have ever been cheated on? Or how many of you have ever done the deed yourself? My guess is that it's probably a good possibility that most people have been on either side of that coin. And if not, then they've probably had friends or families that have experienced it. And so they've like inadvertently been affected by yeah. cheating. Hey, so, and you might not even know, you might be asking yourself, hey, what is cheating? And what we're going to do is we're going to let our guest today tell you more about that. And our guest today, <laughs> Krista's buzzing me around. Always. Um, our, gu- <laughs> our guest today is Sharon Pope. Um, a very beloved friend and coach of mine. She's a certified master life coach, seven time. Can you count that? Seven is heaven. Seven time, number one, international best-selling author on love and relationships. She has a huge following. She is the relationship coach for when you are struggling in a lonely or disconnected marriage, seeking confidence and clarity so you can either fix your marriage or move move forward without regret. That's like the hugest <laughs> thing, moving forward without regret, right? Because sometimes, you know, you just got to go. You could ask us, sometimes experts, on having just <laughs> on, had on to go. And leaving. All right. Anyway, she's been published dozens of times, various publications, including the New, New York, York Times. Times. Her ebook, Stay or Go, How to Find Confidence and Clarity So You Can Fix Your Marriage or Move Forward Without Regret, is available in the show notes. And you can also find it at SharonPope.com. And we will be giving you that information. So welcome, Sharon. Welcome, Welcome, Sharon. Hey, ladies. How are you? We're great. It's so nice to see you today. Great. All the way from the state of Florida, right? That's right. New resident. Wow. Excellent. I call it chasing the sun. Say that again. I call it chasing the sun. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome here anytime. That's right. I'm like always running from the sun here. <laughs> now, you can probably tell by her skin. I don't run from the sun. She does. I do. So it's so good to have you here today. And I love this topic because it's really been a game changer in my life. And it's probably been the topic that has brought the most spiritual growth to me. Mm-hmm. And all of the fallout that comes from it and all of the learning lessons. So. The painful learning lessons. Painful, yeah. yeah. So you actually don't have to do this. Do not feel like you have to join this club in case you have. Uh, <laughs> no, I've never had a cheating experience. You can leave that behind. But if you have, you might want to listen up. And if you haven't, you might want to listen up for why you never want to 
play this game. But anyway, we're here today because Sharon's the expert, and we can't wait to ask her a whole bunch of questions. I'm going to start. I'm going to ask her what the definition of cheating that she uses is with her clients, and how often is it happening, and are men still cheating more than women? (laughs) (laughs) The thing I'll tell you, there is no universal definition of cheating that we all agree on. All right. If you think about it, like there are people that say anything that is done in secret is cheating or at least a betrayal. But then, so if someone's watching porn and the other one doesn't know about it, is that cheating? Yes. Right? <laughs> like I don't, It's all subjective is uh, desiring someone, but never actually doing anything with it. Is that cheating? Is that a betrayal? Like Whoa. if, if you're thinking about someone else while you're having sex with your husband, is that a betrayal? Fantasy. If you're online just chatting and flirting, is that cheating? Like there is no one universal definition. So here's why I think that this is super important. So studies say, divorce <laughs> <laughs> magazine tells you 60% of marriages have endured an affair to wow. one side or both. Wow. That's the people who, number one, will admit to it on a survey. Right. And that's people who define what they did as cheating, where there's a lot of people who say, oh, but it was just an emotional affair. So that doesn't really count. Like we didn't get that one line. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, so if 60% of marriages are dealing with cheating and that's the ones that will admit to it and that's the ones that see it by some definition, it would, it's happening a lot. So you can't talk about struggling marriages without talking about affairs. So is affairs different than cheating mm-hmm. and betrayal is cheating different than betrayal. Cause a lie can be a betrayal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do you do with all that, Sharon? I think so. One of the cool thing, one of the, I think the best place to begin is have a conversation with your partner of what does betrayal mean to you? Like, what's your definition? Like in the beginning of, before you do it? Well, because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to do it. <laughs> anytime you're, you're just anytime. Cause there are people who think, Oh, well, that's not me. I've never had that experience. And God bless you. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> don't, you don't have to go through it. Like you said, you know, but wouldn't it be good to know what your partner's definition of a betrayal is? So clarifying and both getting on the same page to what mm-hmm. kind of the rules are and the expectations are. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to ask you, do you feel like seriously, when do you have that conversation? Like, is that part of the beginning of your relationship or when you're getting married, you're like, Hey, should we, t- we should talk about betrayal and that kind of stuff. Like lay those groundwork ground rules or something. Oh, I think there's so much that we need to talk about before we get married. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's this. I think we should. What's your definition of betrayal? I think we all go into marriage because we know what merit, the box of marriage, what that construct looks like. And that includes monogamy. But right. we never actually have the conversation of, are you cool with just me? forever until you die. (laughs) Like we never really have that conversation. So we go into it. Yep. And we say till death do us part. And then lo and behold, sometimes than we thought. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when, when that was made up, by the way, I think the average age was of death was like 
high 30s, early 40s. 36, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I can do 30 years. That's what I'll agree to today. <laughs> yeah. I think we should really have like every 10-year plan. Like, are you willing to re-up for another 10? Because the till death do you part yeah. thing really messes with us. But here's what I want you to know that I think is super interesting because I just love human behavior type stuff. And that is, so 50 to 60% of men have cheated or will admit to cheating. But what they're they not call the only one cheating. Right, what they call cheating. Women are cheating at almost the same rate, 45 to 50% of the time women are cheating. That kind of busts our stereotypes, doesn't it? It sure does. And I, I mean, all, yeah, nearly all of my clients, they've been on one side of an affair, but eight times out of 10, it's the woman that has cheated. And they just, I think, I'm sure. Yeah, they call me Affairs Anonymous because. <laughs> They know I won't judge them. It's like I'm a safe place that they can come to, right? They're not going to go to their Christian counselor. They're not going to. Well, I talk think that is that, that that women are cheating more often. I think women are feeling more empowered. I think women are finally acknowledging their desires mm-hmm. and giving themselves permission to get their needs met. And it's happening much later in life. So I don't see this. I mean, granted, this is skewed by my audience. But um, once the kids are almost grown and they don't have that focused attention on their kids, now it's like, when is it my time? And there's some things that I want to create and there's some things I desire and there's some things I need, but I'm not getting those needs met. And because of the relationship that I've established here in my marriage, I now have the conclusion that I can't get my needs met in this. So therefore, then the answer is to. But they always say they never go looking for it. I mean, I've had one client in six years that went looking for it. Everyone else, it just sort of happens. But there's an availability factor, right? And you He's available. He's available. And you're available. Right. Right. So there were, like, if I went out to a bar, like, if any of us went out to a bar tonight, we could all go home with someone if we wanted to. Let's be clear. We could. Right. But. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, like, huh, huh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Silly girl. But if you go, if I went out to a bar tonight, I promise you, I would not get hit on at all because that door is not open for me. Like, energetically, there's none, like, that's just not there. Right. But the same person, like if I went out tomorrow night, let's say I was pissed off at my husband and I was thinking about like, he's not meeting my needs. This is never going to work. He's never been a good communicator. We haven't had sex in three months, whatever it is. That door is now open energetically. Yeah. And, and that's- he had a couple of drinks, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. I always do my best thinking when I've been drinking. I don't know about you guys. So let me ask you this. Is yeah, yeah. an affair an automatic kiss of death for a marriage? Absolutely not. Really? No. I can tell you from experience with my clients that it doesn't have, let me say this, it doesn't have to be the kiss of death. It does give you that pause to go, oh, wait a minute, we need to reevaluate because uh, shit is broken. (laughs) Um, Because it wouldn't have been vulnerable to an affair if it wasn't broken to begin with, if there wasn't something wrong. That is my belief. I have heard that there are people that are perfectly happy and they cheat. They just have never crossed my path, so I haven't seen it. Um, So there was something broken in the relationship. There were some needs that were not being met before. And so 
it doesn't have to be the kiss of death, but it does give you that pause to go, oh, wait a minute, we need to reevaluate whether or not we want to move forward and create a new type of relationship together. Because going back to what we had doesn't sound like a great idea. That's what caused the affair to begin with. Right. Right. Being in the affair doesn't sound like a great idea. Let's not stay here. (laughs) So the only option then is, can we move forward together and create something that where our needs are getting met? I guess, you know, one other crazy question is that somebody could say, well, I actually really do like this person. And I think I want to shift our relationship to polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And then they would give their partner that choice, but still it all just comes down to a choice at that point. Right. Like, it does. It wow. does. And the thing is more often than not is one partner wants to flip that switch and go from monogamy to poly and the other partner doesn't. And they can, they totally get to choose, right. Cause they yeah. get to create their experience. So there's nothing wrong with that. They can say, no, thank you. That's not what I want. Or that's not what I signed up for. Um, or they are so petrified of losing their partner that they'll go there with mm-hmm. them so that they don't have to lose them. But uh, in the process, they lose themselves. It's yeah, really, really bad. heartbreaking. Yeah. Have you worked mm-hmm. with people who made that choice? Yes. That sounds really bad. It's really lose yourself in that choice. You do. Right. Wow. That's not something I thought about. Okay. So what I find myself thinking about right now is the emotional component of when you've been cheated on. Like I know the trauma that I had when I discovered it, because it was like really a discovery and it was actually not a great time in my life the first time. And it just, uh, when I discovered it, I had like physical in my hand letter that, you know, I love you so much. And I would, you know, like all that. And so it just, it literally knocked me out. I, I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, so shocked. I didn't know what to do. What part of what you do with people is kind of getting them back to realize it's not a kiss of death. Like it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. And there's something more that can be gained from it. So this is a timing thing. When you mm-hmm. just find out you're in, like I just call it the fetal position mode. Like yeah, right. you're just trying to make sense of you're questioning everything right. about yeah. what you knew to be true. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I think it's a timing thing, but along the way, let's say like a month later, two months later, then you're able to hear different possibilities. Right. So here's what I can tell you. There's a couple that I'm working with. And I'm working with them as individuals, but I'm working with both the man and the woman. And the man is the one that cheated and the woman found out about it. And all I can tell you is two months later, they're having way deeper conversations than they ever had before. Yeah. Their sex is so much better. They're spending more time together and connecting. They've gotten curious about one another again and who they are today. They're not just kind of going through the motions of life and dealing with logistics of family and kids and careers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's been times that the husband and I, where we've stopped short of saying like, God, this affair might be the best thing that ever happened to your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hard I, to hear. I, mean, I have to say the partner that cheated on me last year, it's literally what he will still say to me today. Like, why do you keep, he keeps saying, why do you keep asking me to apologize or feel bad about something that 
was the greatest thing that ever happened to us because look how much growth and look how much closer, look how much more honest we are. And there's that part of me that still some days wants to blame and I need to be apologized to and make me feel better. And then there's the other side of me that goes, it actually was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Was it the most painful thing that ever happened to me? Yes. But in hindsight, Mm -hmm. it, it totally, um, opened me up spiritually. It opened up my heart. I mean, there was just so much deep growth that came from it. And yet I'm really angry that that's the way it had to come from. Yeah, Sharon, I have a really big question about this because I had that same experience and I have a, had a person that was multiple and, and then would in between tell me there was absolutely no way it was happening and then it would still be happening. And just so there was lots of different kinds of betrayals going on. Yeah. The, what I noticed was that there was a person that was working with us that said, you don't need to know the details of what he's doing. You don't need to know any of that. You just need to heal this. And you both created it. And so I never got the sense of him saying, I chose this. I made this choice. I stepped over that line because even though on some level in the marriage, I chose it, right? Like I wasn't the best wife, I still didn't choose to go outside the marriage, right? And so there was the person that was working with us got me so confused for a while. I just had to quit and start over. So like, how would you handle that? <laughs> Did you understand so my question? I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little in shock by it. So just, she said, just basically just heal it, forget about it, pretend it never happened. Is that mainly, what she mainly, Yeah, like don't talk about the details of it or any of that. All right, so I'm going to answer two different pieces of that. One is the details piece. So I for sure am a fan of, yo, you got to be careful about the details <laughs> because you can't unsee. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, Esther Perel is like such a beautiful expert in this. If you've not checked out her work, check it out. Okay. But she talks about how, like, when our mothers found out there was an affair, there was, like, lipstick on a collar or a receipt in the pocket. Now it's death by a thousand cuts. It is uh, a million text messages and emails and DMs and pictures. And, um, like, there was one client of mine, and honestly, she adored her husband, and they had been together for 30 years, and they were a great couple. But he traveled a lot internationally, and so when he would go to Asia, he had himself a little girlfriend there, and she found out about it. And so um, she could not stop asking the details. Yeah. She, could, like, she couldn't help herself. And I was like, stop it. It's like you're cutting. It's like you're grabbing a knife, and you're just cutting. And he, find, he told her one thing that was like, well, we showered together. And she's like, what? You showered? What were you now doing? Now never shower. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he washed her hair is what he said. Oh, well, we didn't have sex. I just washed her hair. But that's such an intimate oh my sort of God. thing. Yeah. Like I just got told. I did too. Well. <laughs> that she just, like, that was the thing for her that she couldn't unsee. And so like, I, do, I do caution against getting all the details. Because some of that stuff, it's not like we can give a lobotomy to that one part of our brain. That now we get to care for that. So, but then would a better um, question be for um, the one who's been cheated on to say, well, what was it about that person that opened you up to that? Or what was it that you were seeking? Or 
Is yes. there, instead of knowing the actual details, the intimacy and the, the sex, mm-hmm. is there a way, because I think when we're asking those questions, what we're really asking is, why did you do it? What's wrong with yep. me? You didn't choose me and you chose someone. Like that's something else. So instead of asking for the details, can we ask for the yes. meeting? Yes. What did it mean to you? Mm-hmm. What was it that you were seeking? What are you running from? What mm-hmm. do you not want to feel? Because like sometimes you- our affairs are just another version of a way to run from negative emotion, pain that we don't want to feel. It can look like Oreos to some people. It can look like affairs to others. It can look like gambling to others. Like you don't have to go too far to figure out how to numb pain. Right. We all have our specialty. Yeah. But the, the other thing that the woman said was just, oh, so I have a theory. <laughs> okay. You're Sharon's so. theory. <laughs> a theory. And that is um, often where there's smoke, there is fire. What's so, that to you? Um, if you think something's up, something's up. Mm-hmm. And when we try to um, downplay people's actions and they might say, um, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing going on. Like we, your guy kept saying like, no, 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 we're not cheating. Or no, she's just a friend. We're just talking. It's nothing. Just a high school friend, whatever it is. Um, they're not going to, like, these two people, these two grown adult heterosexual people are not looking for a new euchre partner. Like, they're <laughs> not going to play backgammon together. See, I, <laughs> I kind of have a theory that adult men and women that. can't be friends. Not, like, because I'm that friends. No. I mean, they can be high and they can say hi to each other at a party, but anytime then if they're at the party and they start having a conversation that's longer than 15 minutes, I feel like intimacy starts to grow and like after 15 minutes you've already talked about what they did last week and their job and then anything above and beyond that starts getting into well how do you feel about this and yeah it gets intimate I think it's anything that you if you're gonna you can't say anything to them that you would not say if your spouse or partner were standing right next to you exactly I think the best that's the best definition for me because because everything's on the way Right. Like you were saying. And I think what I really want to focus on something you just said, Sharon, it's super important to me. And I know to Krista, too, is the value of our intuition and Mm -hmm. women empowered by using their intuition. Men, too. And absolutely. Um, And in this case, I was just to this story. Like for me, I had so many times when my intuition was so right on. Like my, my super spidey Spidey senses, senses. you know, were like going crazy and I couldn't walk by a pair of pants without checking the pockets. Like, and yet he could still tell me, no, nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. And I would buy it for another two days or five days or a week. Cause it was such, if that was going on, it was going to be such a huge disruption. And I, I just, I could, I was like, ah, what am I going to do with this? And where are we going to put the kids in the house and everything else? You know, so I oh, kept, right. okay, he's saying nothing. So I'm going to go with it. But I love that you just brought up intuition. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in a theater with, oh, Byron Katie was speaking in the front of the room. Yeah. And you know how like she talks truth? Like it's like the ground you stand on. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to my partner at the time. And I just got like this massive, like something's wrong between you that, and like two days later, 
I all exploded into what was wrong. And I just love that somehow being in the presence of someone like that, I could feel more than I could feel just being in my regular life running around. Yes. It's like you have to get still and quiet to hear it. But when you do, there's never been a time where I've gone there with a client where I'm asking them, did you know, did you have any idea? And when they're really quiet with themselves, it's always, yeah, I knew. I just didn't want to know. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to believe it. And it's a horrifying thing to experience. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't your brain in trying to keep you safe tell you, no, 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 I'm sure they're just friends or no, 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 I'm sure that it's nothing. Justifying. It's like the minute your brain starts justifying, it's intuitive, it's intuition is that there's something that needs to be justified. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Hold on. That's a quotable thing. I need to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) That next client's going to get that little gem from Krista. (laughs) Even if your brain starts to justify, that means there's something to justify. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. Even if it's not the actual act that's happening, it's that some Some type of behavior, something they're doing, some type of uh, feeling that they're putting out. Even like I saw one time when their eyes met as we walked through a party, like this, mm-hmm. like one instant where these, I, and I, I was like, you know, I could feel it all the way through my body. And it, then I couldn't deny it anymore. But that was, that was the strongest one there was, right? But even if you went home that night, did you bring it up to him? Not that okay. night, but I, a couple of days later, yeah. Because you would have sounded like a crazy person. I saw you look at her. She looked at you. And I know what's going on here. Like, you would sound like a crazy person. But the feeling of it is undeniable. And then it always comes back, though, like, no, you're just jealous. Oh, you're insecure. Yeah. So easy to turn back around and, you know. Because you don't have any actual proof, right? We don't have any proof. We just are using. So we have to, all of us, use our intuition as the truth. As the no proof needed. That's no proof needed. Enough. Something. Something wrong. I love that. Intuition like, is my truth. Wow. Like, wow. What if we shifted from thinking intuition was this like flim- <laughs> flimsy thing to this intuition is the only thing? You know, like, I don't have any intuitive hits right now with my guy that anything's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? But I did two weeks ago when something was wrong. It wasn't that he was having an affair. Thank God. Oh my God. Wait, like my whole world just rocked again. Sorry, I'll come back in a minute. No, but it was that something Something was wrong and that we needed to take it on. So maybe if I hadn't taken it on and he hadn't taken it on, it could have turned into something bigger because we would have lost contact, right? That's sort of, maybe it's just as simple as that as you've lost contact with each other. What do you think? I think so much of our affairs are about the gap between what we really desire and our experience of mm-hmm. what we're, what we've created. And that gap inside there is connection. Yeah. It's closeness. We want more connection and closeness. And it's like in our marriages, I think of it like, you know, when you're in the pool and you're sitting on a floaty yep. and, you're, you're, and you just start like drifting. And you're, you know, you've got your head back, you've got your drink in your hand and all that, and you <laughs> drift away and 
it's all fine, but it's so subtle. You don't even know how far you drift away because it happens so slowly over time. Mm-hmm. And then you bump into someone else's floaty. That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> the unicorn one. <laughs> yeah, the unicorn one. Also, help me with this because that isn't really resonating with my experience in my marriage. I feel mm. like when I um, started dabbling in the affair world, I thought it was about sex or wanting more passion or more intimacy or looking for someone to truly who could really feel love me you. and love me and all of that, you know, juicy yeah. romantic stuff. Six years out of that, I look back and go, no, I was bored and I didn't have any creative space that felt heartfelt that it, to put my energy into it. So it was almost like, doing it like grasping at straws or maybe that I knew I needed to go out in the world and do something big. And that seemed too scary. So I'll just come over here and rub that one out for a little bit. And that <laughs> will soothe me enough to, you know, not have to go out in the big bad world and, you know, have a big career or a big fucking podcast. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's a bit so easy, but I don't know if it started from necessarily feeling disconnected from my husband or if it was disconnected from, from myself. That's no. what I was thinking. There you go. That's we all three just saw that. I know. It's like it's disconnection from self and we think we need to go looking for it in something outside of ourselves. And there, it sounds like there might've been an element of hiding from your power and your bigness and what you were being called to create. It was a way I, to- I was feeling very comfy and cozy, a stay-at-home mom in the house, and all of my needs were being met and provided for, and it should have just been the perfect little... Could have appreciated that a little bit more. <laughs> I certainly wish I would have, but I didn't have the tools at that point to really see what was happening, and I just always thought that my happiness and power and feeling of love came through someone else. Yeah. And of course, at some, if you have that belief system, at some point in a marriage you're going to find yourself reaching for another person in order to fulfill that. And so I wish I had the skill back then to go, Oh, I've seen myself wanting to reach for someone, you know, reach for myself. What is it that I'm not fulfilling within myself? Right. So let me, can I ask you a question? Both of you? Sure. <laughs> can I ask you a question? <laughs> um, in your experiences, in your personal experiences. So there's this idea that um, you, some people will cheat to remain in a bad marriage. Oftentimes, this is a broad generalization. Oftentimes, that's men, but it doesn't have to be. It's a way that I can keep this going and not have to blow up my life. Mm-hmm. And then other times, I'll cheat because I kind of unconsciously want to blow up my marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have the hard conversations. I don't want to, I'm just going to like do this thing. And there's some part of you that knows that it will get found out and it will blow up. If you had to like tip the scale one way or the other, what do you, and I know your experiences are different. Where do you think you fell? I mean, I think mine was, um, my life really was beautiful and perfect in so many ways. And then there was just this little or big part of myself, big, big side of myself that wasn't being fulfilled. And so I was definitely trying to maintain the three kids, the two dogs, the house, the pool, the 
you know, perceived perfect marriage from the outside. And I really, my husband was amazing and fun and fulfilled so much. And I was dead inside. And so I was seeking validation or worthiness and love and excitement through that venue. But, you know, it was really because I didn't want to, I didn't want the whole uh, household to crumble. So it was like, if I could just get this little piece of myself fulfilled, then I can be available for everybody else and their needs. But I just need this one little thing. Which is such yes. a lie. Right. Such we know lie. it's such a lie. When you said dead and I went dead inside, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're the only one that could bring you back to life. Mm-hmm. But we came through sex. for love in all the places. Yeah. <laughs> As we tend to do. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh my God, I haven't heard that in so long. Oh my God. They must still play there, play that on jukeboxes somewhere, right? You can find one. If I can find a jukebox. Oh my God, they don't even have jukeboxes. Anymore. Oh, you can go to the hub. I'm going to play it with my one. eight track player. So Catherine, what do you think? Your, your experience wasn't you cheating, it was you being cheated on. But if you had to guess about your partner, do you think he was trying to cheat so he could stay with you or cheat so that he could um, blow it up? I would say both at different times. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, he was cheating to stay with, he was traveling, all that kind of stuff. So he was going to get his needs and whatever that weren't getting fulfilled. And he needed the family to stay stable, really Mm -hmm. important to him for lots of reasons. And uh, so that was going on. And then later, it was kind of like, he was playing a daredevil game with me. That's how I felt about it. It was so, it was like he was dating while he was married. It was so daredevil, the way, the number of calls that were coming in, the number of ways that he was physically acting out near me that, you know, I really couldn't see until I saw it all at once. And then it was like, oh my God. So it was almost like he was redefining who he was while he was still pretending to be in our life. Yeah. So then when it exploded, he was already this new person, right? He was already dating. He was already out in the world. People already knew he was available. Although yeah. you want to know the funniest thing about this, which I love, I think is so interesting about women. I don't even know if it's on topic, but I'm going to say it and tell me what you think, is that um, his perception. So he was able to have some women join him in this and that kind of thing. But there were a lot of women who were flirting with him, but not, going anywhere else, whatever. As soon as we split up, all those women went away because he was actually <laughs> available. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no, we just wanted you for the D. And they're like, really oh, you <laughs> left your wife, you creep, you know, like whatever it was that was going on inside them. They were all like, oh, I don't want a guy who just did that. You know, so all of that buildup. So tell me, tell me, there's something. <laughs> That's a good topic. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So we think that, there's this idea that we have to choose between our husband and this other guy. We'll just put it in terms that whatever that's fine. Um, and it's never that the first decision is, do I want this relationship with my partner, with my spouse that I've committed to? Do I want that? Can that work for me? Yes or no. If that is a no, then you can certainly, you can go explore the other thing. However, the on-ramp to that other thing, that affair, is going to be so different now that you're available. I can't tell you how many women where they think that that guy is the answer and that they'll be amazing together, but lo and behold, now when she's available, 
<laughs> now when she's available, it's like, oh, this just got real. Like it was great when you were unattainable, when you weren't actually available, but now it got real. And now that the on-ramp to that relationship looks and feels very different. So it will be different. Well, I remember thinking that, um, so the man I had an affair with had certain qualities that I was willing to kind of put up with or like just not pay much attention to <laughs> while he was married. I didn't marry that. And then the reality was like, you know, if you really was full on available, there's no fucking way I would want to deal with that or that that would be okay with me or I wouldn't even really be attracted to it. But I saw myself kind of making excuses as long as he wasn't fully available. And why I, while I wasn't fully well, available. Well, you weren't. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It was very safe that way. We could yeah. just be in our own little environments or in our own little heads and our dreams of what we think it is. But if you really <laughs> had to give it a shot, I don't know that you would. Uh, we're both trying to get a question in here, but I have a quick question. You built us a model and you went down one side of it, which was if you yeah. say, so what happens on the other side? So if you stay married, you stay married. <laughs> if it's yes, you stay married and you, you evolve the marriage to a place where you're both getting your needs met, where you're both being able to communicate and set healthy boundaries, where you're able to like make it a healthy, connected, intimate relationship. Because the funny thing is, is you have to find your voice either way. One way yeah. you find your voice right. before you have the affair. The other way you have to find it on the back end. And it's so you much. You are fun. having so many truth bombs dropped here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Krista, I always do. Krista, <laughs> truth bomb girl today. Yeah, that's really true. That is the bottom line. And I love sharing how you're taking notes like this isn't being recorded. And you're not going to need to listen to it like 500 times. <laughs> Some good stuff. You have to find your voice either way. Maybe it's easier to just find your voice first and figure out whether or not you want this relationship before you go running onto the next one. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and that's such a powerful thing because we um, do a lot of work with the chakras. Mm-hmm. And so the fifth chakra, wherever it's connected to in your body is where you're speaking from. So if women step Aside, I know where is that. So I you want know, where mine is. I love that you work with partners separately because oh, yeah. I think that each of us will figure out where we are, and then we can go back in in full voice. Like you encourage people to come to their voice or their passion or their truth. Right? That's all the same thing. Yeah. So it's like. Working with people separately, you actually can get them in there without any threat yes. of the other person reacting to what they're saying, right? That's the beauty. Yep. Be completely transparent. It's so much. And I think that when you're working with a couple jointly, it's fraught with crap anyway, because then it's like they put the per- like they would put the coach in the middle of determining who's right and wrong. And right. one person feels really understood and heard and the other doesn't. Like it's not really functional, but The other thing is that all you're really talking about is the dynamic that's going on between the two of you. And I think, so I know we're not, I know we are on video, but (laughs) so I want you to think about like, there's you as an individual, as a sovereign individual and your partner as an individual, there's this third entity, which is your relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's only made up of the two of you until you bring someone else into it, obviously. But it's made up of the two of you. So if one person becomes healthier, stronger, finds their voice, finds their passion and their power, 
what they bring to that relationship can't help but change the dynamic in that relationship. So when I'm, if I'm coaching two people at the same time, all I'm dealing with is this up here. But when I coach them as individuals, now I'm dealing with them as individuals. We can go so much further, so much faster. And what they bring to the relationship is powerful. Plus, Sharon, don't you think, um, I, I like to work with people separately too, is that you get them, you get them to say everything that they couldn't say in front of their partner, like every single nasty little dirty bug, you get it all cleaned out. And then there's the space for them to kind of take in what's really true. But like anytime I feel like the sort of secret piece of, you know, I just want to, I just want to keep him. I just want to keep him. So I'm going to do anything or he just wants to keep her happy. So he'll do anything, but they've really given themselves up. That can happen with couples counseling to me in a heartbeat. Right. Oh, for sure. Because even with that couple that I was working with separately, I mean, he and I were having conversations where um, he would say, like, I've been thinking about my affair partner more and more right now. Mm-hmm. He couldn't say that in front of his wife. His wife uh, was thinking, like, oh, this is over. This is ended. We're moving on. You know, like, so, yeah, that transparency, you can't heal if you can't be honest, right? You can't get clear if you can't talk about it. So, well, what I love about what I love about this part of, sorry, a little tech issue. What I love about this and talking about the fifth chakra is that it seems like when you're, when we're stepping into a fair territory, it's because we want that passion back and we want that connection and that, at least for, I think, for short term, right? Yeah. Well, like hot sex and all of that stuff, we think it's going to come through the affair and we're not getting it through the marriage. But if the fifth chakra, if we're not saying what our needs are and saying our truth to our partner, we are actually blocking the passion, blocking the connection, blocking all of that. And so that's, what's so important about, you know, finding your voice beforehand is because if you go over to have an affair with the partner, you're still, there's still going to be things that are going to be left unsaid. So you're still never going to be able to, you know, that's not going to be a fulfilling relationship either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a repetition, right? It's that it's that whatever we're doing now, unless someone breaks it up for us, we're going to keep doing. And so how much do you deal with the partner, like trying to break through the partner of the betrayer, cheater, whatever, victim story? Like how, how hard is that to break through to try? Like you've got to keep the balance because one person did something and it was hard on the partnership or relationship and now they're trying to sort it out and one person still is furious hurt but also kind of victimy about it and without mm-hmm. like without like turning, turning the, the knife, knife. <laughs> inside them like oh yeah but you, like it sort of happened to me like oh it's your fault anyway or you're responsible for this like how do you work with that to touch that but still get them out of the victim story like so I go at it kind of indirectly Mm -hmm. Um, sneaking up on them Um, (laughs) (laughs) because if you try to reach in and take away that story, yeah, if you take away that story, like they're going to hang on to that for dear life. Yeah. But as soon as you start to equip them with the tools about like understanding their emotions more, making, being more intentional about wanting to legitimately feel better because you can't hold two things at the same time. He cheated and I love it. That one down. (laughs) (laughs) like because truly like anger feels a lot better than sadness and despair 
that's why in the first like week or two weeks, like that sadness and despair, it's fetal position stuff. It's like, you can't like my coaching would probably be too aggressive, Mm -hmm. but after call it a little bit of time, a month, two months, whatever. Now you're able to, or at least you're a little bit more willing to reach for something that feels better, even if that's anger. Right. We don't want to set up camp and live in anger. No, but boy, that feels like a breath of fresh air compared to despair, right? Well, it feels more powerful to be in the anger stage, right? That's yeah. when people do crazy stuff, though. Sometimes <laughs> that's when their fifth chakra gets really big. That's when they start yelling. I wanted to build upon what you said, Krista, because the so when I had an affair, and he, <laughs> I'm going to say it this way because this is the way women will often say it, and how I used to say it. He brought out in me all these feelings of passion and aliveness and all this stuff. Right. And what, and when he went away, then it was like, I'm never going to feel that again. And I felt Uh like completely lost because I tied those feelings to a human being. Right. Yes. But what he did is he brought out what was in me. Yes. And that is such a powerful awareness that when you find that within yourself, now you realize you can create that again. I don't, I stop short of saying you can create that again with anyone ever. I don't think that's true, but you can create that again because it's within you. It's not tied to that person outside of you. And it's hard to remember that, especially if you've been in something for a while and mm-hmm. you've created something with it and it feels like it's because of the two of you and that's all you ever wanted, whatever, you know, I can see why it feel like that. But as soon as you start encouraging the anger, which comes with, empowerment, which comes with a growing of your heart again. And it's like, wait, I got to stand up for myself. And then that way in which we start blossoming again, then you start to have a sense of you can do this again. You can get through this. I think there is no path to healing from it without walking through anger at some point. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And probably any kind of betrayal, like even if it, you know, if somebody has money betrayals, I have a friend that has money betrayals in her relationship that are big and it had to get explosive because she had to reach the end of her rope and just be like, you know, it's not okay. But that's what interesting what you said, because if you have like a lover, you're not dealing with kids and diaper changing and money issues and all that. It's like, you just get to fly off to some little nest and blank it out and then go back to your life and then go through the drudgery with your partner. And then you can fly out of the nest. and go <laughs> I think so, that's what a lot of people think. They I think, think that's what it's for, right? Do you think so, Cheryl? Yeah. I mean, so <clears throat> there's love. Love feels like um, belonging and nurturing and caretaking. It feels like stability and security. Mm-hmm. It feels like home. Mm-hmm. And then there's desire. Right. And so when, right. And desire is all about unknown and mystery and feeling right. alive and energetic and all that kind of stuff, which is the definition of an affair. <laughs> like it hits all <laughs> those. <laughs> and we're kind of taught that once you get married, like this is the air, the box of love is what you fall into. And we're going to put this desire on the back burner, right? That desire, just because you've ignored it for a little while, doesn't mean it went away. Eventually, it's right. Gonna, so when the desire usually that, up. what do you do? So I think that that's I that's know. Wait, what? so call me. <laughs> I put my hand up for all our listeners. I'm like, wait, call me, because this is what I've been discovering: is how do you 
make your love mysterious enough? How do you have enough like space with your partner, right? That you keep creating that desire, right? Yes. So, Tell me there's an answer. Let me be hopeful. I know there's an answer. Because right now my answer is like, oh, I just need to BDSM. <laughs> just like, no, it handles it. Two men. Oh, she's been, she's back on the thing that she needs two men no matter what. So that, that, that could be your truth, honey. Well, I I that much woman. Feel it all. Like I need someone who. I don't think it's that I'm that much woman. I just think that I want love and desire, and I don't know if we can if. I don't know if I, as one woman, can give a man in my life the love and desire he needs. What through he needs? Meaning, if I'm expecting him to create that with me, I need to be able to create that with him. Yeah, Sharon, I I could <laughs> say something so here. Much here, you are giving me so much to work with. I'm like, where do I go first? I'll so, take a small percentage of your next book. No. <laughs> So, all right. So to answer what you were just talking about, the, I want to answer both of what you, what you ladies brought up. So first of all, yeah, you do need space. How do you do this? How do you cultivate both love and desire in a relationship? First of all, space actually helps you create desire. When something's up like really close to your face, (laughs) like it's really hard to see the beauty of it. (laughs) When you have a little bit of space, like there's been research that has shown that the times when you're most attracted to your partner is when you see them at a distance doing their thing. Yeah. Like wow. my client, her client was, uh, her, my client, her husband was snow skiing down a mountain They're big skiers. And they went on, they were going through getting a divorce, but they still kept family trips and things like that because they're ninjas at being emotional adults. And she sees him going like, going right down this huge mountain on his skis. And she's like, now that's hot. Now I'm going to jump <laughs> him in the lodge. <laughs> because he was in his zone of genius, right? And so when you see your partner in that zone of where they're so confident and comfortable, yeah. there's space there for you to desire them. So you kind of answered your own question. Um, but the other thing is that you just, it, it doesn't take much for us to fall into the love column. We can do that very easily. We actually have to plan mystery and spontaneity. Like, especially once there's like a house and kids and careers. Like you actually have to plan for spontaneity. It's weird though, right? Like one, (laughs) one partner I had who had a huge objection to that. And I, so my, why it was planned. Yeah. Cause it was planned because I didn't, we had a beautiful home, but the way it worked, none of the doors closed and locked. In the whole house. <laughs> they were like, it had barn doors. It had, le- it had all sorts of doors. So when the kids were home, I was like, like I couldn't get Based comfortable. Down the pillow. I couldn't get comfortable. I was like, someone's going to walk in the room. Someone's gonna... So face down, ass up. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted the kids to see that. That would have been my favorite. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Home from school. Starfish. So at one point, I had an idea that we would have lunch together and then have this time and it would work in delight. Right. I was all over it. And it was absolutely a no because he couldn't. And I, I actually really understood it after a while. He couldn't make desire happen on a schedule the way I presented it. Like I'll make your lunch. It was like a little housewife. Like, you know, I wasn't going to meet him in a cellophane dress. Maybe then he would have, he would have gone. 
<laughs> but I was doing it, I think, too much as sort of a, a wifey, kind of mothery. I don't know, right? Well, the nurturing piece, right? You brought the nurturing. I'm going to make this for you. And then we're going to have desire. It was like, I'm going to present you with the nurturing, but we're going to feel desire. Hmm. But you actually, you should have brought in the cellophane dress. That would have been I should, I should. <laughs> I just had a question Sharon, it was like, okay, this is going to sound funny, but like our breasts are nurturing for children, right? So that's a sort of thing. And it was like, I was crossing like nurturing mothering with sexuality and it's almost off-putting. Mm-hmm. Oh right? yeah. Like, making a bologna sandwich and offering sex at the same time. As it would, it, no, it was more, no, no, it wasn't a balloon. That's the thing. It was like, I was, I was going over, like, I'll provide for you by like a mothering way. Right. And then I was saying, come have sex with the same person that's your mother, like, ack. And no one wants to have sex with their mother. No one. Of course, I don't want said, to have sex with I'm going to whip you and I'm not going to, I'm going to starve you and yeah, not make starve you. starve you and whip like, you. Okay. And then like, hey, I'm all over it, right? I think that might have worked. But I'm like, clients, like she showed her love to her husband by cooking and she'd bake him cookies and she'd <sighs> make his dinner and stuff. But it's, but then like, that's not the same woman that he's going to throw against the wall and yeah. starfish. Would you say? I Winking starfish. Okay. All of it. So sometimes love and desire don't actually like mesh really well <laughs> at the same time, you know, but so there is an answer. It's not a simple answer or an answer that happens magically, but you've got to be intentional about it. And you've got to remain curious about your partner and quit acting like we know everything there is to know since we know we're always changing and evolving. Like then there's always something new to learn, hmm. something new to explore. And how can we insert more adventure? How can we insert more spontaneity? How can I have a little bit of space <laughs> and watch you from a distance? <laughs> Make sure to write that hashtag down. Hashtag insert, insert more. more. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> Can I, can I ask a closing question? No, because I don't know what it is. What if I'm not the closing question? I'm, just, I, I'm giving the closer. Uh, I may have a follow-up. That's all I'm saying. We don't have any okay. issues in our partnership. <laughs> no. So what do you think the one thing that has to be present, what has to be there if you're going to attempt to salvage the relationship after mm-hmm. cheating? There's a lot that has to be there, but there's one thing that you that has, that's like the baseline. And that is the person who cheated has to understand that they caused another person pain. So they have to be able to realize the pain that they caused from that choice. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they would regret the affair to your point, right? Your husband right. was like, this was actually the best thing that ever happened to us. How can you right? It doesn't mean that you necessarily regret it or even that you would do something different, but that your choice caused someone a lot of pain. And so that understanding, if you don't have that, if they're just like, well, get over it and move on. Yeah. Like, it'll be fine. I'm not going to cheat again. I'm, I told you I'm done. I'm done. That's not enough. That's like building a house on sand. No. Yeah. That's yeah. So that makes a lot of sense to me. It's like, they have to regret the pain they caused. Yes. But right? not, regret but not they, because, it, because I know for me in certain circumstances in my life, that has been a huge catalyst for me to be aware that I was just running roughshod over my partner or I was demanding that everybody follow the way I was running the household or whatever it was, I was doing that. But the hurt and the non-acknowledgement of how much pain that brought forward, even if it was my own pain, even if it was from my broken relationship with my father, 35 
60 years ago. <laughs> 35? Like, who the hell's 35? Anyway, you know, like, whatever it was based in doesn't matter. You still took an action that really shocked and fairly traumatized another person in the right. way that it came forward. And I, I love that you said acknowledgement. that. I really think the acknowledgement of the pain is a really powerful place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, maybe that's how you can let go of the victim story. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's how it is. Oh, let's certainly help someone acknowledges it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know if there's any nugget you want to end us with today, because we've had such a great time with you and it has been such, I've learned so much today. I think Krista has, we've given you a few nuggets. So you've got some hashtags. I want to revisit all of Krista's nuggets. (laughs) Everybody wins. Um, But is there any last thing you'd like to share with us today? And our audience, of course, not just us. I think as it relates to affairs, it's common. It's happening a lot. And it's not just men, and it's not just for sex. There's a lot there. There's a lot of there's a lot going on there. And we gotta start talking about it. We gotta talk about it more. Um, and so yeah, that's what I would say. It's like, let's, ha- let's start opening up this conversation. Open up the vault. It doesn't mean it's going to happen if you start talking about it. It means you're going to understand each other. Don't be scared of it. I agree 100%. That's great. That's great advice. I think couples just like, okay, let's talk about this thing that's happening with our friends or maybe mm-hmm. we've touched. Is there something we should talk about with each other that we don't know? Because if you don't talk about it, it's going to happen. Like if you are not talking about this feelings maybe. you're having eventually someone's going to blow. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's always going to happen. People, because some people will drink those things away and some people will eat those things away and that kind of stuff. But it's definitely a possibility. And I think what you're saying is really powerful. Plus, what's it going to do but increase the intimacy right. between you and your partner? Which and that's your fifth chakra. And then you're like, oh, do a Oh, good. We're all up and in alive, telling our truth, speaking our minds. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today, Sharon. It's just lovely to have you. It's so fun. You want to give our audience all of your Instagram handles and all the ways they can get in touch with you and find out more about you? Oh, my gosh. You know what? It'd be too hard to do all that. I'll, I can give them to you guys and put on the website. But you, if you yeah. Google Sharon Pope, you will you find they get it all. Awesome. You, awesome. There's will. 300 blog posts. There's 200 YouTube videos. There's the seven books. I'm like, come on. You'll find it. They want to know. <laughs> That's all they need to know. Thanks, Sharon Pope. And all right. And everybody, as we always say, spread, spread the love. love.